Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at QuietMark. QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. It provides reliable and independent information about the sound a product makes and approved noise reduction performance before purchase with the primary focus to improve health and well-being. Do you like to cook? I most certainly do, but I do know that my culinary skills are nowhere near the standard necessary to win the BBC MasterChef Award. And yet, that's the incredible achievement of one of the guests on this episode, Ping Coombs, who won BBC MasterChef in 2014 and who's recently been gracing our TV screens again as a judge on the latest series. And Ping is accompanied by Henk Hoysuna, the Innovation Director at Novi, the Belgian extraction and induction manufacturer, who last September had 58 of their extractors achieve QuietMark certification. In this episode, you'll hear me ask Ping, what role does sound play in her cooking? And it's really interesting to hear Ping pause for thought and provide an answer which goes from the purchase to the plate. Ping grew up in Ipo in Malaysia, a city renowned for its food markets. And for Ping, as you'll hear, it's the sounds within that market which have an influence on the food that you end up tasting on the plate. It's a fascinating journey. Ping also, much to the delight of Henk, comments enthusiastically about the quiet of her Novi cookerhood. You'll hear that it's hardly ever switched off in her very busy family home where she does online lessons and yet it's so quiet that it doesn't interfere with the lessons that she's doing across Zoom. And I ask Henk, is it possible for a cookerhood to be both quiet yet powerful? And Henk also shares his own personal fascinating journey, taking him from academia through to the commercial sector the lessons that he learned along the way, and his passion for improving technology. He says that Novi's aim is to create cookerhoods which are quieter than human conversation. No wonder they were certified with a quiet mark. I hope you enjoyed this episode, after which, like me, having recorded it, you'll never experience your food in quite the same way again. Welcome to the show, Ping and Hank. Hello, Simon. Hello, Simon. Welcome, both of you. Where are you both as we enjoyed this call today in early March? Well, I like to say that I'm in somewhere exotic, but no, I'm in deepest, darkest Wiltshire, it's sitting in my kitchen trying to um, avoid my uh, child coming in and causing a havoc. <laughs> You've got two children, haven't you? I have, yes. One of them is is at school actually they're going to go and pick her up at the moment because oh. i've forgotten um <laughs> luckily my husband is on it um and one of them is riding a bike at the moment and uh pretending she's a monster as all good children should hank where are you pretending to be a monster i'm in uh, belgium at the moment i'm working from home uh, today due to the COVID situation. And at the moment I'm home alone, but my wife and my uh, daughter will arrive uh, soon, but I ask them to be quiet when entering. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking of being quiet, you are the man that makes things quiet at Novi. You're the technical director. I'd love to know more about your role at Novi, if I may, please, Hank. Mm -hmm. I started in Novi in uh, 2016. 
since 2019. I'm uh, indeed the, the technical director. We, director, we call it the uh, innovation director at Novi, and I'm uh, responsible for new innovations, which is of course a uh, a broad topic, but um, I'm looking to new technologies which can be of added value in uh, in our products to uh, increase performance, to work on special things regarding smart technologies. Um, but of course, also silence, because Novi is well known for silent extraction hoods. Also, silence is a very important, uh, very important topic. And we try to take this into account in uh, every design, working with our in-house experts and also uh, with external parties when it is uh, when it is necessary. Okay, you talk about silence, you talk about Novi producing cooker hoods, and of course they are quiet mark certified, so we have verified just how quiet they are. Many people ask the question, can something be quiet and powerful? How would you answer that question, Hank? <laughs> yes, um, the first thing about a cooker hood is of course that you want that the extraction efficiency is high enough, eh? so there it all starts. Uh, the product needs to do for what uh, uh, you buy it for. Um, so extraction efficiency should be high. So we uh, start from that point and then we try to make it as silent as possible for a given extraction efficiency. Uh, usually this means that it is working on the design, working on the aerodynamics of the hoods, using a proper insulation material, uh, selecting a, a silent blower, a stable and silent blower. Uh, which is also uh, which is also of course very important as the blower itself it's the core uh, of the hood uh, so taking all these things into account the technical choices which we make and the design uh, optimizations uh, which we do uh, we can obtain a powerful hood with a high extraction efficiency which is still uh, silent and one of the most silent products in the market in fact we have found it to be quieter than human conversation Yes, yeah, indeed. Well, actually, it's one of the targets uh, we have when we uh, design a new product, when uh, listing up all the specifications that we want to target. Uh, noise, of course, it's a very important one. And there uh, we always have a target to have uh, a noise value for good extraction efficiency, which is uh, 60 decibels or lower. So this is what we try to do. Of course, it depends on the on the type of product which you uh, which we have if we uh, will reach it or not. But this is always the aim to have a, a quiet hood uh, that it is not disturbing in the kitchen because the kitchen uh, we believe that this is the heart of the uh, of your home of the of the dwelling and um, yeah it, it it gathers people it brings together families children are sometimes there while cooking doing their their homework. So that you do not want that there are uh, noisy uh, devices or appliances in the kitchen. So that's we, why we try to make our hoods as silent as possible. I can vouch for that bit because um, up until I have Novi, um, I always accepted that a hood is always going to be noisy. Um, so it's kind of like accepted the fact that there, there isn't anything else you can do about it. That kind of thing. Not unless I have Novi, but. Once I've had Novi, I just I just don't hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this particular year, I run a little cookery school here. So I talk a lot. My students are here. We're making conversations and we hardly hear the extraction. But it becomes more noise sensitive when you're running a virtual class. I'm talking to 40 students 
uh, 50 students sometimes, and I'm about to run a corporate class for 450 in the next few weeks. And I don't have to worry that my whole kitchen is going to fill up with smokes and everything else while trying to teach. Because I know if I turn my Novi extractor on, it's not going to be noisy. I -hmm. still can hear myself talk. My students can hear me talk. And with a virtual class, I take it that's something you're doing via Zoom? Uh, Correct. I do a lot of meetings and calls now and private classes. So during the day, I never hear it anyway, maybe because I am so used to other noises coming around my children, um, a little bit of traffic noises, wind, because I'm in the middle of the countryside. So around my house, there's a lot of wind noises and rustling noises. So I don't hear it. But at night, when it's really quiet, um, and there's not much traffic in the countryside. I give late night virtual classes as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear the noises from my extraction hood at all. Good to hear, uh, Ping, that you are happy. Which, which uh, Novi product do you have? Which hood do you have? I have the Pro. I have the, um, the Pro uh, 90. Okay. Yes. Good choice. <laughs> What Ping was describing there is very typical of today's circumstances where many people are working from home, homeschooling, juggling their professional and their home life. But that combination of work, play, cooking, family, it's very important at home right now. It is. I guess for most people, their jobs are on the computer and uh, whatever jobs are, uh, are doing because my jobs is cooking. The extraction hood is probably on the first thing in the morning and throughout the day at several interval times, I could say that I've only switched it off for this call because I've been recipe testing all morning. Then I stop for lunch, but then I have to cook lunch. So it's still on. And I've literally switched it off because I thought, you know, the poor thing needs to have a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's, I know that, um, you know, kind of homeschool and, you know, working from home is important, but not everyone's job is depend on their hob and their extraction so much so than, than me, I guess, as, as a chef. Uh, working from home, recipe testing, cooking, and also to mention that um, not only that I recipe test and teach in this kitchen, I also run a delivery service every week. So we cook for about 100 and 200 people a week on that kitchen, as well as recipe testing, as well as um, teaching. So it gets a lot of use. (laughs) I think if it had a voice, it'd be saying, thank you for giving me a rest while I do the Quiet Mark podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know that um, the, the kitchen is the heart of each family, but not as much as mine. It's literally... Is where I am in the morning till sometimes at night. I hardly goes into the living room at all. This is where I work. This is where I teach. This is where I eat. This is where I create. So it's fair to say I hardly notice it. I hardly notice it's there, which is what you want, isn't it, Hank? You don't want it to be reminded that that you have this running. You just Mm -hmm. want to know that it's efficient. It's running in the background. It's almost like breathing, isn't it? You know you need it to survive, mm-hmm. but you're not constantly having to consciously 
having to remind yourself to breathe, you just do it. You just expect it that it works efficiently for you. And that's how I rely my cooker now and my my hood. Hank, you must. This must be music to your ears. It sounds like your yeah. hard work is paying off. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, it, uh, this is very good to hear, of course, uh, because this is uh, why we are doing it. Eh? Um, like you say, you don't want that appliance is uh, disturbing you in 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 your kitchen uh, while cooking or while doing other things in uh, in the kitchen. Uh, so then, uh, hearing from you, uh, Ping, that uh, you are so happy with uh, with the hood that it's uh, that it's silent, uh, that it's not disturbing. This is really good to hear. Also, the fact that you are using it almost continuously during the day. Uh, this also proves that uh, that the products which we have are uh, qualitative, uh, of course, with uh, long lifetime. This is uh, why we do it, to see uh, happy users. You know, there's a statistic that we've mentioned a few times on the Guatemala podcast where it's proven that background noise can make you 66% less productive. And Ping, something you said just then was that you were doing recipe planning. I imagine that the silence of the appliance in that situation is helpful for you to just be able to focus and get creative with your recipe planning. Mm, yes, absolutely. I I can't listen to too much of radio and, you know, music is important. Yes, I have music on um, for when I'm cooking, but it, I can't do it too often. There's too many talking at the backgrounds and too many background noise. I get irritated. My daughters like to actually play uh, different songs. Um, I've got a daughter who is eight who loves um rag and bone man and <laughs> you know i've got a three-year-old who likes princess song and then half the time they're like okay google play this play this play this. so it's kind of like really distracting because we have okay and now my google is just talking to me um i oh and and now my google has switched itself on so excuse me while i do this You've created a, the perfect segue for a question to, or a comment to Hank, actually. Hank, I have been looking up some of your work online before we did this conversation today, and I know that you're working very closely with the IoT, the Internet of Things, and smart technology. With mm -hmm. smart, with uh, voice being the, uh, the way that we interact, the interface to devices, it's vital that you don't have a loud extractor fan. Otherwise, your Google in the background, and I'm going to say it quietly, ping, so yours doesn't go off in the background. <laughs> but nevertheless, if voice command is going to become something of the future kitchen, quiet appliances are essential, right? Yes, yeah, indeed. It's very important that the appliances are uh, quiet. Also, uh, when talking about uh, voice control appliances, uh, something we also looked into is even uh, voice controlling the, the hood. This is technology actually is ready uh, to do this. Uh, this is a uh, this is possible, but at the moment we more believe in the connectivity between the the hood and the hop, so that actually the hood is controlled uh, based on what you are doing on the hop. If you switch on the hop, then also your hood switches on, depending on the amount of vapors or uh, smells which are produced, and the speed level is automatically uh, modified. And this also contributes to the silence of the device because if you use sensors in your hood to have an automatic extraction, uh, in this case, actually, you always have the optimal speed level for an efficient extraction and optimal speed level for a low uh, noise level. So this is also something which we are introducing at the moment in the market, extractor hoods with uh, sensors for automatic extraction, which this also contributes to uh, uh, the quietness of our, uh, of our appliances. Hang, I'll test it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you found a guinea pig. 
yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll test it out. Yeah. I have to say though, I cook a lot of Malaysian food. I don't know how um familiar you are with Malaysian food. They are strong um mm-hmm. smelling. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about silence, I I have to commend you for it's not only silent, but it works. Like my house doesn't smell. Um, when I walked into, I have an open plan, second living room and the kitchen with soft furnishings. So when the smell hits the soft furnishing, usually it leaves a smell on there because the extraction doesn't do its job in extracting the smells out and all the grease out. Um, where else it doesn't smell. And I do a lot of cooking. So mm-hmm. I come in and it's nice and sweet smelling. Of course, I have plants here to absorb some of that as well. But actually, uh, compared to the kitchen that I used to have, everything smells for days on end. <laughs> it's not a bad smell, but it's just oh, like it. if you come into the kitchen, you can instantly smell it. But then this whole kitchen does not smell. as the cook the chef that you are what role does sound play in cooking it's funny that you ask that because up until you ask that i just do normally sometimes you carry on doing the job you do without having putting too much thought about certain elements like for cooking taste look they're all um we focus a lot on the taste we focus a lot on how it looks the aesthetics of it and where else the sound of it is something that you just expect it to happen you just don't think too much of it so um when you think about how sound give you the experience of certain dining experience uh, there is a very famous dish that Heston Blumenthal does which is called the sounds of the sea it's not the look of the sea or the taste of the sea it's called the sounds of the sea so famously this dish is constructed with different various uh, foams and textures and ingredients of the sea but it comes with a microphone with the sound playing um the sounds of the sea so it gives the diner the experience that they are beside the um, the sea and 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 enhance that experience. Now I thought about how sound kind of affects my cooking, and I I don't do this. Give them a microphone to to hear, you know, kind of the 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 thing. But when I think about how it affects it, I I think about what when I teach in this kitchen, for example, I say to my students, there's a, a at the moment, I run a virtual class, so they can't hear the way they hear in this uh, kitchen. So I have to describe it. So I make a curry paste, and um, I don't know whether you've made a curry paste before. You mm-hmm. grind your ingredients. Um, you uh, make sure that the ingredients are then fry off in the oil. So my way of teaching them to do that without burning it is put everything in the pan cold so you don't turn the heat on you put the oil on and the curry paste on top of it and you then turn the heat on and the way to tell them to actually then focus their mind back into the cooking is to hear the sound of the paste coming up to temperature because if you put the oil on first 
and then you there's in modern technology there's a lot of uh, distraction Instagram your your phone ringing your children asking you to do things and then when you come back to it because there's nothing cooking you're not hearing the sizzle so you can leave the oil in there and you can't hear it so you pour your 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 paste in and it will burn because there is nowhere to tell tell how hot or how long that oil has been sitting there. So to counteract the fact of that, to not to waste their um, effort, I teach them to listen to the paste coming up to temperature so it sizzles, and then use their sense of smell. To, once that fragrant paste hit the oil, you hear it, you smell it, which means it returns your sense of, ah, I've got to, I've got to look at my paste, I've got to, you know, kind of transform uh, my senses back into my 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 paste. Um, and another way of I use sound is when I um, teach virtual dumpling class. We do a way of hearing um, the sound of water steaming. So where there is a way of cooking uh, a dumpling where you pan fry the dumpling first and then you pour the water in and you cover it. So there's no way you can you can see whether that dumpling is cooked through or not. Mm. But I teach them how to listen to the the water boiling uh, when it's in the pan. It's boiling vigorously. So the sound of water boiling is so different than when it has evaporated. So I guess sounds plays a very important role in in cooking. Mm Because then sometimes when you can't see and you can't smell, you can only depend on your ears whether something is um, working or not. Well, thank goodness, hopefully soon, we're going to be able to be entertaining people in our homes again. Dinner parties will return. We will be reunited with our loved ones. And you want to sit down with that glass of wine, enjoying that conversation. And it's probably sound when you're not looking at that oven. If you're doing a slow cook thing, it's the sound that's letting you know what stage something's at. So a quiet extractor mm. is important in that instance, right? Yes, I can hear everything that's going on in my kitchen. My my dishwasher, you know, uh, pinging uh, when it's open. My fridge doing um, kind of like a, a um, clunk sound when it's reached a temperature. Uh, I guess these things just happens in the background, which you don't actually um, know that mm, is mm. there sometimes because you just expect it to happen, right? But also when I think about traveling, about sounds, uh, experiencing uh, the sound. And last night when I was, um, I do this a lot. I, I go to sleep and I can't sleep. I'm not those kind of people which my head hits the pillow, like my husband. Two seconds, his head hit the pillow, he's gone. Like, I just roll over to ask him a question, he's gone, basically. Um, and it's really annoying because I want to talk. You know, I, I, I'm the kind of person where my head is whirring with ideas when I go to sleep. And yesterday, I thought, um, I suddenly couldn't sleep. And I thought, oh, you know, what would be a great virtual class is the fact to, um, I love night market in Malaysia. Night markets happen once a week, twice a week. And basically all the street vendors congregate in this street and there will be people selling knickknacks, selling fruits, selling cooked food, selling cold food, drinks. It's just a whole market of, we call it Pasar Malam, which is, and the noise, the noise is amazing. Like 
noises um, of people like chinking their walk, noises of crying, noises of people haggling, noises of things, you, you get that. And it's like a, a melange of um, noises. And I thought to myself, how do I, how do I actually get that sound going in a virtual class where I would bring this alive? So it's really important to um, design a class to actually mimic well, that kind of experience. You serve curry puffs in paper bags because you said I can't bring the streets of Malaysia to the kitchen in Bath, but at least I could, rather than serve them on a plate, I can serve them in a paper bag. I saw that on one of your videos and I thought that was great. But I was going to say on this show, you should bring the sounds of maybe one of your relatives in Malaysia could just have their, their Zoom camera open while you do your cookery yeah. class. <laughs> So I was like thinking, it's not just the sounds of cooking as well. It's the sound of people haggling, people like buying clothes, people buying knickknacks, buying toys, people try on shoes in the middle of the street, you know, and people eating this, you know, I, I was thinking, how could I mimic that? Do I get someone to buy clothes, uh, you know, haggle clothes, arguing, children crying, laughing? The whole point of uh, these sounds just makes a difference of like, how you experience something yeah. i always think that um food tastes better if you can remember the experience of where you are so um i remember being in a, a, a ham shop in the middle of madrid and it's really noisy and um people were haggling people were talking about ham and and the little canyons of amstel is one euro and i was like saying to my husband this beer is so amazing what artisan beer is it it's so good and he's like it's just amstel <laughs> yeah. like cheap old amstel i was like why does it taste so good so i came home i brought some ham from that ham shop in madrid come back to it buy some amstel and was it the same no, no it was not the same no i know about the experience it is experience, the smells, the sounds, everything plays a part into into that, I guess. And it's same with cooking. Talking of this crazy hubbub of sound, your town is called Ipo yeah. in Malaysia. And I read that people drive from miles to come to this specific town because it's where people go to buy and try food. Is that right? You grew up in a culinary town? Yes, it is. Um, so Ipoh is where I grew up um, and it's the third largest city in Malaysia. I always call it the little town, but it's not, not so little anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and people talk about Penang, which is in uh, a little small island, um, uh, inland island, I guess, very small of the west of Malaysia. And people go there for street food because it is very famous for street food. However, those are for tourists. Real foodies actually come to Yipo. We have a direct flight from Guangzhou to Yipo, and we don't have a direct flight very often from Yipo to KL, which is the capital. Wow. We have maybe like one flight a day to KL, but we have several flights from Guangzhou to Yipo because they 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 come to Malaysia to Yipo for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and particular Ipoh, Singaporeans come to Ipoh for food. I know Singapore has been named the street food of Malaysia, have a, a street food of Southeast Asia or best street food. Have you been to Singapore? I have. They I don't have street that. food. No, not like that. They don't have street food. No. 
they are so clean, they don't even know what street food is if it slapped them in the face. Um, <laughs> no, but I've been I to like, Singapore and it was very much like being in a shopping mall the whole time. I did go to a, an old region and there were people selling amazing like fish stalls and this type of thing. But it didn't have what you are describing that Ipo has, which is this real lively vibrancy to it. I know a lot of people who've been made redundant during lockdown, you know, with companies first putting people on furlough and then becoming being made redundant. But of course, it was because you were made redundant that you applied to MasterChef and your life changed. I think this is a really positive story. Can I ask you to share a bit more of that with people specifically at this time, please? So I was into hospitality. My I did a degree in hotel and restaurant management because at the age of uh, 17, I went to work for a cafe in Ipoh, which at that time was revolutionary because the owner has studied in the UK and she gave up her modeling career to be a pastry chef. Um, and she was creating things that in Ipoh then... Um, didn't know what it was. My first job there, my first day there that I was allowed to take uh, the, the the orders was uh, a focaccia. I have no idea what a focaccia, I couldn't even pronounce it, let alone know what it tastes like. <laughs> but it really gave me the sense of adventure. There are more foods out there um, than what I have. And obviously, when you're in any country to your own food, everybody else's food you think is exotic. I mean, when I was growing up, McDonald's was a treat. It was like the exotic food. <laughs> Where else, you know, now moving away, I know now to get an authentic bowl of noodles is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that cafe was like kind of, I guess, what I wanted to do, hospitality. I was good at it. I love meeting people. Uh, we have at that time, a lot of expats living in Ipoh or working in Ipoh. I was good at engaging them. I, I speak fluent English. Um, I was keen to learn about them. Um, so I was put in front of the customers a lot and I, I loved it. I loved customer facing. So I met my husband in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. um, he was doing a gap year and I came over to study here. And obviously I had to pick a subject. Um, and I really love hospitality. So I study in Oxford Brooks. Um, but actually, if you ask me, have I applied what I have done in university um, to what I do now? Possibly not so much. Okay. I spend a lot of money going to university, uh, but it's something that I could pick up working, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I had fun at uni. It gave me an experience that, you know, it's only going to university uh, will give you the freedom, the, the the ability to meet other people and to study independently. I love my time at uni. So I guess, you know, from then on, I knew I wanted to go into hospitality. So I did the degree, I, I found a job, but I didn't know it was so badly paid. Ah. It was so badly paid. <laughs> um, I got poorer and poorer working in hospitality. But then I found a job that I love. I always enjoy my jobs in hospitality. They are one of those jobs that pay badly, but in a wealth of experience, I guess. Mm. Uh, you never get bored. Every day you go to work, there's different story, different gossips, I guess. 
um, I worked for luxurious hotels and then eventually I worked for um, a private hospital. I was brought in to train people, basically the non-clinical side of the hospital. My father-in-law used to um, joke that it was a pain hospital because obviously they come for non-selective uh, they come from elective surgery and not like A&E. We don't do oh, A&E. So it's all elective surgery. And our job is to make them feel like they're in a luxury um, hotel. Right. I guess. Okay. So because my, my experience is in that, so we design a whole experience just from the moment they checked in to the moment they checked out, they will be treated like a hotel resident rather than a, hospital residence. I see. Um, I love that job. And I got pregnant with my first child. And I guess then um, they um, decided that they restructure and um, make me redundant. And I was really upset because um, I guess I love, I love that job. But at the same time, I guess I was so good at the job, they don't need me anymore because I've trained everybody else <laughs> to do their job independently. Yeah. So I guess I guess when when you don't have experience of being redundant, it doesn't matter whether you understood their reasons, you still felt like you're the one who was unwanted, basically. Yeah. So I was, I think, ready to go back to work. But then my child was at eight months old. I... I just didn't know, you know, at the time of my life, I just thought that it's just, I, I just don't know what to do. Mm. Um, um, I guess my friend then gave me a, a, a push and emailed me. I think the day that they made me redundant, they did it over text, which I highly disagree. Um, and I, 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 I had an email uh, from my friend who said, do it at the subject. And there was an attachment for MasterChef application. And I thought to myself, and when I was working at a hotel, people always said, you should enter this. I've never watched the show before. I don't know what it is. Um, and I applied because I thought, you know, what the heck? I, I have nothing to lose here. So I needed some fun. And um, so I applied. I took like five minutes to answer 16 questions because I just did whatever my mind tells me. It wasn't, it wasn't orchestrated. It wasn't planned. I just wrote the first thing that actually comes to my mind. But in my year, I think there's 25,000 applicants. Wow. Very much pop luck. Um, like they go through it really quickly to look for the answer that they are looking for. Right. So I, I've been lucky to get in and go through some series of um, uh, phone interviews. They want to gauge your personality your cooking style and, and things like that. And the rest is history, I guess. I went on there and my only goal is not to be kicked off the first round. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> so that was my goal. Everything else is a bonus. Um, and I said to my husband, that I just want to have some fun. I don't care where I got to because mm -hmm. obviously I haven't got a job to go to, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so... Yeah, then I got to the end and I, by the time I got to the final five and I thought, I have a chance here. I really want to win. Um, so, and I did win, yeah. which changed my life. I, I, I guess I discovered what I'm really good at. 
Wonderful. At the age of 32, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm lucky that I discover something that I love doing. And now you're mm-hmm. sitting at the judge's table. You're not in the kitchen, you're at the judge's table. That must be weird, having the people going through that nerve-wracking experience serving their food to you. What's that like? It's <laughs> the first year I went back, I was really nervous. I couldn't, like, um, I, I just beyond me that I was uh, sitting there. But it is an honour to be asked every year to go back and, and judge because I know how hard it is at that point. Um, but at the same time, the things that when you get it good, you're like, this is amazing. When you get it bad, it's like, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that story from redundancy to to where you are today, releasing books and doing so well. It's a really inspiring, encouraging story. But yeah, looking at the sound in the, the MasterChef kitchen, in the busy restaurants, what was that like? And could you focus and did it put you off or did it help? I, I have to say, though, you would think that it's really, really noisy because people are talking and um, uh, things. But it's I can only tell you that the only thing that you can think about is finishing on time everything kind of fades in the background you know that there's there but it's almost like um it's almost like you are underwater you can still hear the faint sound when you're in the water Mm. but you you're almost like you're focusing so much on what you're doing that the sounds almost become just a background noise. You know that when it goes silent, um, also, I, I must say that um, the hob in MasterChef is the most annoying hob during my time. It's one of those hobs, it's, it's too low for simmering and too high for everything else. So you either burn or not cook. Oh no. So you're like, and then you set timers on different timers so if you have things going on you ask for timers so timers is going on here and then you don't know what is going so you're focusing so much on your timers so if when you're using special equipments um they have different sounds so you need to think about okay what is that timer what is that sound um it's it it's confusing and then at the same time you need to think okay, I have one hour and 15 minutes. I need to get eight plates of food. So all these sounds are, are, are that you need to get used to. What sounds is what? Mm-hmm. Goodness. And in, and the busy restaurant experience, where was your restaurant challenge? And was it, was it crazy loud? My first experience is in... Um, uh, a restaurant just off St. James's Square, mm-hmm. and I had to do 55 lobsters. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember the cracking of the shells <laughs> because I had to crack two lobsters together, pull them out. Uh, no, first I had to get those lobsters out and then blanch them and then crack the shell, glue them together. Right. And I had to do 50 of them for lunch. And the cracking of those 
lobster shells. I can still hear the the shells, the 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 juices when it's splat onto my 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 uniform. I just smell like a walking shellfish. <laughs> I smell horrendous, um, and it's it's horrible. And the sound of Adam, the head chef, then telling me you're doing a great job, and the sound of frustration from my um. From my colleagues not getting his dessert work. Oh no! I still remember that, and the chinking of the, uh, you know, kind of uh, metals and squeezing bottle because I couldn't get the sauce out, and the it's crazy. It's gluing two lobsters together using meat glue. I've never had that before. Uh, doing spice paste, it was it was incredible. And um, uh, um, what was the second? The second was at Heva Castle. I remember that episode. The Heaver Castle one is so because I was the only one in the team know where Heaver Castle is and who the history because I was obsessed with um, King King um, uh, Henry the Eighth and his six (laughs) wives. It's the only piece of history that I learned about UK when I first moved here, and I was obsessed with it. So I knew where Heaver Castle is. Where my UK counterparts had no idea Isn't that funny? where Heaver Castle is. That's so funny. I love the stories of and and the whole thing. Yeah. So you and know, the sound of div- my own crying as well. Yeah. Every time I did a um, uh, uh, a task, I always cry. Oh no! What was that exhaustion, um, or but you didn't think you'd done well enough, or what was the where where were those tears coming from? I think it was just relief, relief. that mm-hmm. I nailed it. Um, it's 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 very it's it, it's a relief because it's exhausting. You put everything to it. I had an eight month baby, so when I get back home, I remember falling asleep, um, and uh, we had a gate, and we were playing together, and I fell asleep, and I didn't even know I fell asleep. It was in the middle of the day until she tried to open the gate. <laughs> you know the click sound yes and then it kind of woke me up um and i was like oh god i must be so tired oh dear you know something uh that i've been thinking of with with hank uh, uh on the line here as well it's wonderful hearing ping talking about being this kitchen in in the ki- in crazy kitchens around the world and the sounds that she's heard for you as a person i guess you're not lab coat excluded from the world just making things quiet you're really thinking about their practical application which ping's talking about or or are we learning new things here on this call no no i completely agree that it's uh, important that uh, we listen we listen to the end users eh, what what they think um so very often we do uh, user experience studies so we have some new technology uh, to make the hood more more quiet, for instance, and then we bring people together and we evaluate because, okay, we can do measurements, we measure the decibels, but uh, the, the sound level itself, it's, it's, not, it's not enough. It's also how you experience the sound, the sound color, uh, which is important. So during a development, it can be that um, we have two different concepts with the same sound level, let's say 60 dB, but the color is completely different. So then it can uh, be that we really choose for concept one because concept two, the, the, the way you experience the sound, it's, it's, it's not okay. So it's very important um, during development of new products to take uh, the, the opinion of the, of the users, of the end users into account. So this is something we do every day.
Now, we also have a lot of uh, acousticians listen to our show and sound designers. Um, you know, your technical director at Novi, an amazing company. And I'm sure many of our younger listeners will be thinking, how does someone get a job like Hanks? Can you share your journey? And was audio and sound always at the focus of your studies and your path? Or did it become part of what you do when you joined Novi? How did you get to where you are? And what's the journey of a, <laughs> of a technical director, if I may ask? So um, if I return some time, uh, I, I uh, studied at university. I have a degree, a master degree in uh, mechanical engineering. Uh, after obtaining my master degree, I stayed at university. I did a PhD. I did a PhD actually on aerodynamics and uh, thermal engineering. So like uh, heat pumps, air conditioning devices, this topic was uh, I was working on uh, during my PhD. Um, when I finished my PhD after four years, um, I was doping. Do I stay at university or do I go to uh, to industry? Uh, when I uh, I discussed this with several people, I asked their their uh, their opinion on uh, what to do, uh, how they see it, what are the advantages of of uh, one choice compared to the other choice. And then after uh, discussing with several people, for myself, I concluded that on a long term, I don't see myself staying in academics. Um, but still, I decided to stay some more years uh, at university. Um, when finishing my PhD, or in general, I can say when finishing a PhD, you are actually an expert. You are an expert in a certain topic. Uh, but at the moment, what you are uh, missing then are more like the soft skills. Eh? Mm -hmm. Communication skills, presentation skills, uh, management skills, project management. So I uh, decided to stay at university, but uh, to uh, continue to develop myself on these soft skills. So I became uh, um, uh, a project leader on a uh, European project. So uh, different uh, universities across Europe um, where we had um, some projects together and I, uh, I was a project lead. Mm -hmm. And then also I had the opportunity to uh, collaborate in, an, uh, in a startup project of the university. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was very appealing to me because the startup project, it was starting from knowledge, which was uh, created at university where we had very good uh, academic results, fundamental results, which are were really promising. But then the next step was, of course, okay, can we do something with this? Can we commercialize? Can we bring this to the market? And as for myself, I... Uh, uh, I decided that I do not want to stay in academics. It was a unique opportunity to work on this because then uh, uh, when you work on a startup project, of course, the, the final goal is to, uh, to start a company. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was my way to go from academics to, uh, to industry. So I worked on this for uh, two, three years, two to three years. Yes, it was uh, almost three years. Mm -hmm. At the end, this uh, startup, it didn't lift off. Um, of course, this was a disappointment. was working on this for uh, almost three years. Uh, during that time, this was also really out of my comfort zone. I have a technical background. Uh, when you work on a startup project, you get in touch with uh, other things like uh, financials, business plan, uh, supply chain, uh, quality, all, uh, all these things. So it was a big, uh, big disappointment at the end that it li didn't lift off. But uh, I learned a lot of this and I truly believe that actually this experience made me today of uh, what I am. Because once the startup project stopped, mm -hmm. uh, I said, okay, now it's the moment to go to industry. So I started to look for where I could start working. Uh, I did some, uh, some applications in, in some, uh, some companies, of which one was Novi. 
so I went on an interview with Novi. At that time, my first interview was with the uh, the CTO at the moment in uh, in Novi, mm-hmm. and we immediately had. Yeah, I felt there was a match. There was a match with the person who was uh, sitting in front of me, but also with the company. There was somehow I felt uh, really attracted uh, to the company. That's great. So after discussions or after an interview with the CTO, with HR, with uh, with the CEO, I decided to start there. I had, of course, the background in thermal engineering, but also in aerodynamics. So I had this added value, the technical knowledge I had, I could immediately apply in uh, in Novi. So I started in 2016 in Novi, R&D department, as an innovation engineer. I worked on some innovation projects, uh, which was really interesting. Uh, during that first year in Novi, I also got familiar of uh, how it is going on in industry because uh, of my academic background. Uh, this was good to see uh, how everything uh, was going. Communication lines in Novi are also very short. So this was yeah, uh, learning on the job, which went uh, quite fast. Great. So then in 2019, my former boss, he uh, retired. And uh, then I got promoted to the uh, innovation director. Uh, so since 2019, I'm, uh, I'm responsible for all innovations and, uh, in Novi. Uh, together with my team, the R&D team, which we have uh, today at Novi, where we have uh, industrial designers, we have uh, engineers, we have an electronics team, because nowadays electronics is also very important. Mm-hmm. So also, my background, it's not in electronics, but the past years I learned a lot of these, uh, of these guys. We have software engineers, uh, hardware engineers, where um, historically Novi is a sheet metal processing company. Today, we also have a lot of knowledge in electronics. It's uh, our, the electronics department in Novi started in 2015, so five to six years ago. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, what I really like about my job is uh, that I learn every day. Uh, there are That's new great. technologies which we can explore. We can see is there added value for the products which we are uh, producing today or added value in new products, new conceptual ideas which we have and which might lead to a new, uh, new uh, market-ready product. Um, and learning every day from connections with external people, but also from internally from the team, what they are doing. Uh, it's really amazing. And uh, yeah, it all starts with having the right, people's, the right people on the right, uh, on the right place. And I really believe in Novi, we have uh, really complementary competences in-house, which make it so nice to work in an, uh, in an R&D environment in a company such as Novi. Wonderful. Well, you've both explored very different paths, but they certainly intersect very nicely. And I've really enjoyed uh, hearing what you both do and how what you do separately but together combine to make a great kitchen environment where great cooking can be made. I've got the book, Malaysia, by Ping Coombs. I recommend it. I'm cooking from it already. I'm going to be get, cooking a dessert from that tonight, I think, Ping. Are you? I'm gonna give it a go. I love Which doing dessert? it. Wish dessert. Oh, you put me on the are spot. You, no, are you I'm, cooking? I don't know yet. What would you recommend? Oh, I um, highly recommend the panna cotta, which oh, doesn't lovely. actually take the, that much. The coconut panna cotta, and if you have some time, you have to try the coconut curd, which takes about half an hour on the hob. But uh, with the coconut curd, you can make an amazing peanut butter and coconut curd French toast, which you can have 
in the weekend. Well,、um, uh, it can go into a dessert or brunch or yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I'll report back and let you know how I got on. But I seriously <laughs> love cooking, and I loved cooking from this book. It's fantastic. Hank and Ping, you've given up a good amount of your time today, and I'm very very grateful to you. I'm sure our listeners will have learned a lot from you both. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much you. for having me. I have to confess, Ping, I never did make that panna cotta. I turned vegetarian two years ago, and then when I looked at the ingredients, of course, there's gelatin in it, so I couldn't have it. But that hasn't stopped me enjoying many other recipes in your brilliant book. So thank you very much for taking the time, and to you too, Hank. Thank you both of you so much for giving us the time to create this program today. So I've got some exciting news for you because Novi are one of seven Acoustic Academy brands. Joining Quietmark at Grand Designs Live Ask an Expert Weekend, an online event taking place on the 22nd and 23rd of May 2021. So whether you're building a home from scratch, working on a home extension, or planning to update your kitchen or your bathroom, this two-day event will provide you with all the advice you need to make your home project a success. And because it's online, it's all happening from the comfort of your own home. If you go to quietmark.com. On the top menu bar, you'll see the events page, and under events, you'll find all the information you need to register for Grand Designs Live Ask an Expert Weekend 2021. It is first come, first served, of course, so don't delay. Because, as I mentioned, there are going to be seven Acoustic Academy brands joining Quiet Mark at the event. Alongside Novi, there will also be Basra Acoustic, whose ceilings can be found in famous buildings like the Shard Main Reception, the Lanesborough Hotel, and the Louvre, as well as Grand Designs House of the Year 2017 Caring Wood. Our most recent, newly added member of the Acoustics Academy, Buzzy Space, will be there to answer any questions that you might have about acoustic furniture and lighting. If you're disturbed by the sound of footsteps from people upstairs from you and have questions about acoustic flooring, experts from Cardine Design Flooring will be on hand to answer any questions that you might have. Grower are joining us, and Grower, of course, are the world's leading manufacturer and supplier of beautiful, award-winning products for the bathroom and the kitchen. Both their Rapid SL and the Rapid SLX installation systems use Grower's innovative registered WhisperQuiet technology to ensure minimum noise when flushing. Both of which, of course, are QuietMark certified. Our guests from episode 13 of the QuietMark podcast, Rockwall, will be there. Rockwall being the world's largest manufacturer of stonewall insulation. And if you're looking for a quiet boiler or heat pump, Valent will be on hand to take care of all your quiet heating needs. So head on over to quietmark.com/events and register now. We look forward to virtually seeing you there. We've also been busy at Quiet Mark preparing issue one of Quiet Times, your Sonic News Bulletin. It's our brand new newsletter, and you can subscribe to it via quietmark.com, where you'll see buttons and banners inviting you to click and sign up for free. Quiet Times will bring you all the latest news from Quiet Mark. From thought-leading interviews from guests on this Quiet Mark podcast, through forthcoming events such as the Grand Designs Live event I just mentioned, to helpful tips to find the quietest products from our many retail partnerships, there's something for everyone to enjoy. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoy the sight, taste, and sound of whatever you have for dinner this evening. Take care for now. Bye bye.